from Coimbra to Colombia, from Morocco to Miami. We tell the stories of the people who make the world of international law and business turn. We give glimpses into their lives and provide insights from their experience. These accounts come from every sector and every industry around the globe. Simply put, without further ado, I am Chris Campbell, and you're listening to Tales of the Tribunal, where practice meets personality. Hello, and welcome back to Tales of the Tribunal, the show where practice meets personality. We are back after a nice mid-season stretch where we took two weeks off to recover and to finish pulling together some great interviews to finish out season three. In addition to that, we've also done more teaming up and partnerships that we'll be announcing and rolling out over the next few weeks, which will allow for even more voices to be heard. And hey, you may even see yours truly showing up in other places that I haven't been previously. <laughs> Suspense. Now, just one more housekeeping thing. I want to just say one more time how much I appreciate all of Team TOT, that's all of you, supporters showing up as charged, and we smashed the 10,000 download mark just a few weeks ago. We're already up to 11,000 and charging towards 15K and beyond. So again, if you are enjoying the show, take a moment. You can even pause it right now if you want. Don't worry. I'll wait. And either A, share the show with a friend or colleague, or B, leave a comment on your podcasting platform of choice, and that leads us on a nice segue for today's episode, because ultimately, we're talking about brand building and marketing, getting your ideas and voice out there, which is important to the business world, but guess what? In case you hadn't noticed, the practice of law and business as well are all about being able to effectively communicate and storytell. Both skills are critical. And that's what this week's guest is all about. Shneha Ashtakar is a longtime friend of the show and is a genius behind marketing and advertising at international legal database and research company, Jus Mundi. During our conversation, she talks about her life as a lawyer, her escape into the world of marketing, and finding and building your own voice in the legal business industry. It's a fascinating conversation that will be instructive and helpful if you're looking for pointers on how to build your online presence. So, without any further ado, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Shneha Ashtakar. Hello and welcome back to Tales of the Tribunal with Chris Campbell. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, here to tell you another tale, another story from around the wide, wide world of international law and dispute resolution. Listeners, with me today, you've heard conversations in the past where we've had counsel, where we've had business people, but rarely do we have the opportunity to talk to someone who wears both hats, that is both a counsel and a business person. And with me today, I have a very special guest, Miss Shneha Ashtagar. Shneha, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you so much for being here. So, Sneha, I've given you a sort of uh, broad introduction, but we can't wait to hear about what you do specifically, who you are. We've given a little bit of a, a detailed talk in the opening show notes, but who are you? Where are you from? What do the people need to know? So, uh, my name is Sneha, and um, I grew up uh, in Mumbai in India before I moved to uh, uh, Paris in 2012. So, I have lived in uh, 
you know two two biggest countries in the world and uh, uh, been in in Paris uh, for a really long time now and what people need to know about me I love languages and foreign cultures okay so let's rewind that just a bit started in Mumbai found yourself to Paris can you fill in some of those gaps I mean what was that journey I mean uh, what what took you from point A to point C or D so the last point that I mentioned about the fact that I love languages and cultures, that uh, that's how it all started, really. Like there was no strategy, you know, no lover in Paris waiting for me, no stories, you know, no romantic stories. Uh, in any case, um, um, I started learning Japanese initially, uh, but found it to be very difficult. So I, I didn't have like a formal institution or, um, you know, a professor someone Japanese teaching me the language. So um, um, I dropped that um, after a couple of years, self-teaching and whatnot. And then I was looking into, you know, another language. Uh, that's how I started learning French. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I learned uh, French in an institution called Alliance Française. It's an international language school all around the world. And they're the best, in my opinion, if anyone um, is looking to learn French. And um, at the same time, um, I was also doing law school in Mumbai. Had nothing to do with languages, really. Like, I, I chose law because I thought I was good with words and all of that. So uh, that's a separate story. But uh, um, uh, uh, you know, I was I graduated, I took the bar exam, and I was looking to move abroad somewhere. Um, and I thought I need to think out of the box here and not do the traditional path, you know, that you see of all Indians, um, uh, all any any um, uh, English speaking person moving abroad and going to another English speaking country. So here I thought I, I can do something else, you know, and I looked at my CV and I saw, wait a second, I speak French. So maybe I should just move to Paris. And that's how I ended up in Paris. And at the time, I remember it was just um, uh, two or three of um, Indian uh, lawyers in the city. So, you know, it was not a crowded market. So I knew um, following, you know, my graduation, maybe uh, I will stand a chance to get a job and not just go back home. Sure. <clears throat> No, that, that's a fascinating story. I'm really impressed about it. You might, in fact, be the first Japanese speaker also that we have had on the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ask me anything because I forgot most of it. Uh, I can read a little bit, but uh, I don't even put it on my CV because that would be a lie if I say, you know, I speak Japanese. <laughs> but it was worth a shot to, uh, to at least know the difficulty that uh, one can expect. Sure. And so uh, one of the things that you mentioned there towards, towards the end of your answer is that you realize sort of some competitive advantages that you had as a lawyer. Now, one before we proceed, I mean, I'd be curious to hear about that. I mean, what made you go to law school in the first place? Did you always want to be a lawyer or what was that thought process like? That process, uh you know, being an Indian person, you always have that impression, like at least on the international level that, oh, you can, uh, they're either engineers or, or medicine, you know, some kind of doctors and uh, the, you know, uh, then good or bad or whatever. But uh, traditionally speaking in the country, you know, those are the paths that uh, people kind of uh, tend to follow. And uh, uh, I was not uh, liking science, math, anything so i was like what what can i do right like i like political science i love languages 
what can I do and not be unemployed? So that was a very realistic question that I asked myself. And then law was just uh, sitting on top of um, the career options with this kind of combination going on. So um, I chose law, you know, simply for the fact that I was not good at the other two things, uh, science and math, and then um, uh, not saying that uh, they don't have a role to play, like depends what kind of a lawyer do you become, like finance can involve some numbers, but um, I'm not a, um, um, I felt um, that law is my calling, uh, or some kind of, you know, creative uh, industry was also another way, uh, but law was my first choice. Okay. So then that explains how you made your jump or made your decision on law. Uh, once you got into the wide, wide world of law, how did you decide where you wanted to go from there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, look, there's no one, um, uh, uh, there's no lawyer in my family, like uh, the long, long un lost cousins and uncles. There's no one who studied law in my family. So number one challenge that um, I quickly realized on day one that how fluent other kids were, you know, my uh, uh, classmates, like how they were just kind of natural at everything that they were doing. So that was kind of um, uh, the first challenge. But uh, quickly, I, I realized that, you know, if I if I focus on um, uh, stepping my foot in the in the field, do a couple of internships and things like that, like, you know, you can uh, you can make it. It's it's uh, but it is very difficult, I think, when um, you kind of don't have uh, uh, you know, a mentor or um, someone in your family teaching you like this is this is the type of law that you should be doing if you want to, you know, move to uh, that industry or like have those kind of clients or like, you know, stuff like that. So um, I happened to discover all of it uh, on my own. Uh, it was not easy, but, you know, I met the right people, some really wonderful souls, and they guided me through the process. And uh, it's uh, uh, I couldn't be here without their help. Well, sure. And so, you know, so so I don't want to bury the plot too far. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Sneha is the the marketing genius behind uh, or over at uh, Juice Mundi, which is uh, the fantastic international law uh, search engine that we did an episode with uh, with uh, their CEO last season. But before we get to that, um, I understand that you did some council work. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, so when I decided that I would move to uh, Paris, I, you know, uh, did a master's program and I had it was two years and I took a gap year to just, you know, set my foot in the local market because I didn't know once again, like I moved to another country without knowing anyone um, uh, out there. And uh, um, I started working as a uh, as an intern, like a foreign intern, even though I was, you know, admitted to the bar in India. Um, uh, and um, that's how it all started. I graduated and the firm made me an offer to become an associate. Um, uh, and uh, I mean, you know, was um, it was thanks to that gap year that I took because I got to know, you know, build relationship, very good relationships internally, people who can trust me and, you know, build that trust with uh, the partner and all that kind of stuff. So um, it, uh, it really helped me uh, via that internship to score a job at the end of uh, my course. And I was very lucky to, um, to have that uh, offer from one of the biggest uh, law firms in Paris. 
Well, sure. I mean, and, and again, that that's quite a road uh, that you that you found yourself uh, going along. Um, I wonder now, um, what what are some of the the differences in your day to day in council life versus marketeer life? Well, people cannot sue me now for like that wrong comma or the missing comma. <laughs> it's it's uh, life is less stressful. <laughs> um, it's it's obviously it's not the same thing at all. Like practicing law and um, uh, suddenly you know uh, working in marketing, they are two different lives. Uh, but there's one common ground that I really really you know, find it to be super interesting and very helpful from the past experience as a uh, as an associate is choosing the right words because, you know, as lawyers, we are trained in contracts and stuff like that. It's, it runs in our blood to kind of uh, uh, be careful with uh, what you write down on a piece of paper. And that's that's something that comes, you know, very handy in marketing because I'm sending a bunch of emails to 6,000 people and, you know, uh, it's, it's, I have to be very careful about uh, what I tell them and uh, uh, the messaging is also super important. So that's the common ground. But uh, globally speaking, I uh, don't work on the weekends unless, you know, unless super necessary. So I have all kinds of, uh, one may even call it a luxurious life of uh, being able to take vacation and, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, two different worlds. Both are interesting and I am... I'm lucky that uh, I also got to, you know, got the taste of uh, that uh, big law life and now into marketing in uh, one of the, you know, international legal tech companies. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, so I think I have an, an idea of what your answer may be uh, from what you just said a few moments ago. But, you know, you kind of describe yourself as a lawyer doing marketing, right? Because, you know, you did your law firm work like you talked about, you went to law school, did that sort of thing. But I mean, I wonder if during that time, if there was this sort of like hidden or deeply buried love of marketing and that you were actually always a marketeer for, uh, at heart, which do you think came first, the marketing or the love of law? Um, it was definitely law in the beginning, but uh, going back to what I mentioned in um, in India when I was, you know, kind of deciding on my career options, you couldn't just have uh, one option, right? Like everybody kind of has that backup option going on. If on, you know, if things don't work out, like you, it's always good to have a backup option. So advertising was my second uh, option. If I hadn't, you know. Uh, uh, gotten into uh, the law school that I did in Mumbai. So advertising was always on my radar. I love, absolutely love, love the field. And, uh, you know, I try to, I always try to be in touch with that world in a way. And it kind of, you know, bursted out when it came to the business development and marketing activities of the law firm. Like I, um, as all associates uh, can, um, you know, um, would know that uh, when you pitch a big client, it's a teamwork, like you are working with your partner, you're you know, also working with your BD and marketing team of the law firm. Uh, so I saw like, you know, um, uh, an opportunity there for my brain to like kind of uh, uh, reactivate, you know, that ad world kind of be creative in your message like what should be my pitch if I want to get this client so that process even though uh, it, it was not you know on a regular basis like maybe it was once a month once every couple of months uh, that got me thinking that I really love this I enjoy this process of thinking about 
what's my pitch to convince you know this uh, client to uh, this prospect to become my client so i enjoyed that process and um, i was you know quickly realizing that this is all great i have a big law job but in long term maybe i should you know reconsider what um, i should be doing then questions like job satisfaction personal life balance and all those you know things started popping up in my mind and uh, um, that's how I decided that uh, all right time has come that I quit law and do something else and uh, marketing and communications was you know one of the closest option where I could see um, uh, using my my experience as a lawyer at a legal tech so that was uh, the best fit uh, um, that one can expect. Sure. I mean, and I guess just following up on that thread, do you ever do you ever miss it sometimes? Do you ever wish you could, you know, be go back to council life for like a day or like a week and uh, the nostalgia? I mean, how do you feel about that? I'm not going to lie. I don't miss my law firm life. <laughs> <laughs> to be, you know, I'm not okay, going to be so diplomatic. Don't sin. No, no. Don't I mean, uh, nah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> no, no email saying, you know, on Friday you're about to leave and please fix, you know, please fix this. No emails like that. No, I'm kidding. Um, I really, I feel I finally found, you know, that I was supposed to do in the long term, and this is this is the only reason why I I don't miss uh, council practice because in a way, like I, it, it was part of my journey, but uh, uh, it was definitely not uh, something that. That, uh, I was, you know, meant to do. Or I, I, I didn't feel uh, like that, uh, and I do feel uh, very passionate about uh, my job right now. So um, it's uh, honestly, I, I feel lucky to have found, you know, uh, on a regular basis to wake up every day, and uh, I love my job. You know, I can say that very proudly. So, um, so yeah, no, I don't miss uh, the law firm life. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, now, you know, we talked a, a, a little bit about, you know, what you're doing at Juice Mundi. Um, and I, I, I am almost certain that this is probably not exactly how it happened. You know, Jean Remy shows up, uh, you know, at the threshold of your door, eye patch, Nick Fury style from Marvel, and it <laughs> says, uh, I'm putting together an initiative or a team. <laughs> uh, and you come and join him. Uh, how did that come to be? I mean, it was it, did you apply? Did they reach out to you? I mean, what was what was that like? How did you come to uh, be specifically at Juice Monday? Uh, there was a process, definitely. You know, first of all, to make the decision to quit law, that itself is a very big decision, and uh, one cannot just say tomorrow that all right i'm just gonna apply in marketing because i have figured it out that that's what i like uh, it, it doesn't work like that so step number one was to make up my mind to convince myself that stepping out out of law is indeed you know the best thing that i can do for my career prospects and my job satisfaction um, and as soon as i did it like i was um, uh, looking at different platforms and Yusmundi um, uh, was born in uh, you know 2018 in the same year I decided to quit practice uh, so they were not you know super big at that time it was a small team and all of that so an opportunity did not come right away with them it, it, it was a year later and um, I used that one year you know to kind of uh, do an editorial job at a legal magazine in France, you know, just to get that first experience out of law because, you know, you, you have to start somewhere and uh, be, being flexible and adaptive, you know, it's, it's the best thing one can do when you move out of a traditional career 
uh, area such as law. So um, I honestly, I applied very formally on the website. Um, it was a different thing that Jeremy knew my partner with whom I was working and they had like common files and they had actually worked together professionally, but we had never crossed paths directly. We were kind of, you know, you know how associates like you're kind of in the shadows and you worked on that file you know that but you don't necessarily know everyone who worked on that one file so i did have a connection that way which was revealed you know later on because he saw my referees and uh, uh, we were like wait a second like no oh, we work together actually but uh, uh, i uh, i very much applied on the website and uh, i saw an, a job position business developer slash marketing you know and um, uh, that's how it all started but um, uh, no crazy stories very classic you know uh, apply on the website get a phone call for the interview and uh, and then that that's how it rolled out for sure no um, I'm, I'm gonna imagine the comic book going in my mind still but no that, that, that's a really cool story Sneha. Um and I think one of the points that you know is worth pointing or underlining there is you know, the, the value of kind of just, you know, getting to know people in the field or knowing folks that are working around the projects that you're working on, because, you know, as it would turn out, uh, those people could end up to be, you know, co-workers down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's good. Uh, I always tell people that build relationships, not just internally where you're working, but also with uh, the outside people, because especially in law, like, you know, one uh, friend that you have may become your boss or your colleague. And um, it's it's always good to be connected with uh, everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I actually want to go back to something that you said um, just a few moments ago. And that is, and it's true, the decision when uh, those of us that decide to take off the mantle of of being a lawyer to to make that transition, um, it's it's a big one, and I, I wonder why, you know, aside from just you know those those realities, the the sort of formulaic ones, um, why there is sort of an an uneasiness or sort of an aversion for lawyers and more traditional roles to to kind of be more active in marketing. Um, you know, I know that at least in the United States there are some ethical rules that you have to comply with when you're doing self promotion or that sort of thing. But my sense, whether it's on LinkedIn or anywhere else, is that lawyers are not are not one to want to really sort of uh, promote in that way. Uh, what do you think? The uneasiness, I think, comes from the fact that they don't necessarily know different ways of you know, doing marketing and what that involves. And the traditional way of marketing that we have seen, you know, complying with all the ethical rules and all of that is the rankings, the awards that you won. Uh, but, but the thing is that you cannot post every day or like once a week, you know, just simply about that. And then the question is, then what should I post about? apart from you know my professional achievements which are not really they're creating a reputation in your uh, personal branding so it's very important to share those news uh, i'm not uh, saying that it's bad marketing but i think to go beyond that's the real challenge that what should i be talking about you know and linkedin being linkedin a professional tra traditionally at least like it was marketed as like a professional networking uh, platform so people think that uh, they you know they must talk about their work and what they are doing and then there's not a lot that in law that you can share you know because i can talk about my projects very openly and no one will 
sue me or anything like that. So I think the real challenge is how to keep it diverse uh, or someone, am I sharing insight into uh, a trend that I just happen to observe and that I can share publicly, you know? So there's tons of uh, ways and it doesn't always have to be about the professional rankings and directories and that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's uh, that's one of the biggest uh, challenges for lawyers. Um, and we need good examples. We uh, we have good examples. Other people need to follow them to kind of draw the inspiration, you know, to uh, to have an example to uh, to do the same, you know, in the on their LinkedIn profile. You know, staying right there and picking up on that. Um, if someone were to come to you and say, Sneha. How do I get good at legal marketing? Um, what are some of the things or maybe not specific tips, but some principles that you might try and give them to, to sort of apply or follow? Uh, we're in 2021, we just had pandemic, you know, so um, uh, we need to be aware of uh, that when we uh, take any kind of approach. And I think the biggest thing that um, I noticed in this pandemic is that people like more and more, people like talking with people and people like those who sound like people and not robots, you know, like dear network, it's no, like when you write a post, please do not do that because it's so impersonal and I am part of your network, but I don't know you. So it feels weird, you know, so to, uh, to, uh, to write like that. So I would say uh, when you write anything on social media, because that's, that's how we are, you know, keeping ourselves connected with the rest of the world and uh, uh, Zoom and, you know, all the virtual uh, stuff. It's it's great that the world now feels suddenly small and accessible. Uh, so write the way you talk on social media. Do, do not, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to sound super formal. The way you write your client emails, that's a different story. And you, you must sound serious when you write that. But on social media, it's your personal profile. Uh, just write uh, the way you talk. And that's, I think, the biggest uh, tip that I can share. Um, and for, for example, like when you write your post, I, I have your voice playing in my head. I, I can feel it that it's Chris who wrote this, you know? So th this is what I mean that you kind of have to, you know, um, uh, keep your voice sound the way you sound in real time and people will feel, you know, very much uh, whatever that you're sharing, your opinion, insight, whatever, they'll feel it, you know, extra hard and, uh, very much helpful for the positive impact so uh how do i get good just you know uh, uh try to be a bit more colloquial and don't be afraid to be slightly informal in your uh social media posts yeah i think that's right and um and i'm glad that my voice can come through so clearly um <laughs> in the text but uh, but i think you're right i think being authentic being consistent um and adding things that just help people i think that those are kind of some things that are, are helpful. One person that I follow on LinkedIn is a guy named Jonathan Pollard, um, who's a lawyer out of uh, out of Florida who does a lot of um, non non compete work and just kind of talks about you know ethical lawyering or you know just being authentic and and his posts get like thousands and thousands of likes and views and I, I think if you were to ask him does he try to do that no but um, I think his authenticity um, comes across really strongly in in his posts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this, this, this. You know, a lot of people who are do, who know the lawyers who get uh, marketing. So there's uh, 
more people obviously but um, uh, very less people actually trying the execution side of it and experimenting you know what works and what doesn't work so uh, um, i hope that the legal community will be more active uh, in terms of trying different strategies for their social media yeah and there are some folks that just are have great names that lend to the branding you know um, there's a, a great uh, mediator arbitrator that posts quite a bit on, on linkedin uh, winter wheeler and one of her hashtags is of course winter is coming and i'm always kind of like i see you i see you. that's great. she gets that's it well she gets it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i love post, her whenever i see a hashtag i'm like oh <laughs> 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 yeah. um so well and i guess before we leave this idea of just sort of general principles of legal marketing um are there any pet peeves anything that you, you might see that kind of get you know get you annoyed or you roll your eyes when you see it <laughs> Well, I, I already mentioned that their network, it just gets me each yeah. time <laughs> and I see it at least once every day and it's, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's very impersonal. That's the only reason why I don't uh, like it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, like I mentioned, you know, uh, try to be a bit less formal when you talk it's not a client email it's not you're not doing a deposition so you can sound like a human and like yourself so more efforts into that and i think um all of us no matter which social media and then you have to kind of adapt you know uh to wherever you are you are there to get entertained you're there to get enlightened or educated to, or to get help, to simply get help, you know? So you have to like adapt whatever content, whatever you're, that you're putting out there among like uh, these three elements that uh, I just mentioned. So, um, so yeah, please don't write um, conclusion, don't write their network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I am gonna tell, this is a self-report. Um, I, I, this style makes me chuckle every time I see it, but I, I started doing it myself. The, the LinkedIn, like one sentence space, one sentence space style of storytelling. It's like, I woke up this morning, space. I had a piece of paper, space. Like, uh, it's, it's so challenging uh, for us lawyers, right? Like we just used to writing huge lines, never ending lines that look like a humongous paragraph. But the what you mentioned is actually copywriting. And I, uh, I highly recommend, I mentioned this to, uh, on, on a webinar that I spoke uh, with London VF folks, um, I was saying the same thing that short lines, more full stops, even though it feels like, you know, a child wrote this post, but it's the most simplest thing you can do, you know, and that's how the message is clear. Uh, I am swiping with like millions and gazillion posts on my social media and it's just easy to read. Like if you put without any, you know, incorrect spacing or long lines, it's not good for the eyes. And we all know that uh, human being, you know, we have an issue of concentration and span of, you know, the, it's very short. So uh, you better keep it short and add sufficient amount of spaces. And that's copywriting. In marketing, we call it copywriting. And uh, uh, it's just um, all about, you know, chip, you know, the choppy uh, copy of uh, your social media posts. <laughs> it's very it's difficult, true. by I, the way, to to come up with that kind of a post. No, you're right. And, and I think that's kind of why, uh, you know, what, it might look, you know, funny when you see it, but then when you actually have to sit down and put one of those together, 
and yeah and you're like two hours flew by (laughs) what what was my achievement that's my daily life it's if anyone asks me what did you do today like i posted one social media post on yusmundi's you know company's account i like you know you spent the whole day and i was like yeah because that's marketing that's kind of my job now to think you know fully and come up with that copy it can take a while but that doesn't mean that um, it's always like that and i want to mention this because you know the lawyers i am asking them to experiment but uh, this is the scary part right that it may take time but if you post regularly it kind of becomes a habit and it's less uh, time consuming even for me because i don't have a marketing degree no one needs a marketing degree to work in marketing and uh, uh, it comes with practice put it make that your habit you know twice a post twice a week start baby steps and then you'll get better at it and then the post that took you know for the first time five hours may just take 30 minutes of your uh, time and it will be a killer post well sneha one of us definitely has a marketing degree but only one of us actually works in marketing so <laughs> do you have a marketing degree <laughs> Quite literally, the, the University of South Carolina, Darlemore School of Business, marketing. <laughs> but you do apply in your podcast and you have that, you know, uh, uh, the pod- podcast is your uh, side hustle, you know, it, 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 uh, so you, you're using it in a way. And uh, uh, I cited you, I coach you all the time when people ask me, who should I follow and who can I, you know, uh, take inspiration from? And I mentioned uh, you. So uh, it's, it's obviously, you know, useful, but... Uh, uh, it's not something that because, you know, lawyers try to think about it's all about diplomas and what LLM do you have? Which law school did you graduate from? So it's not it's not like that in marketing. Like it's it's all about your personality and uh, what you like doing. Uh, so it's not mandatory. If anyone um, listening today is uh, considering a move in marketing, you don't need a degree. So uh, go ahead and apply anyway. Well, and speaking of you know, marketing, and I imagine that uh, that you probably didn't think of it as marketing when you first, uh, you and uh, Svenja sat, sat down to talk about it, but exactly, uh, this is a nice segue to the conversation we had with one of our guests, last week's guest, uh, Svenja Wachtel, your partner in crime for the Arbitration Happy Hour. Um, now, folks may have listened to last week's episode, but for the sake of making it clear, what is Arbitration Happy Hour and how did it come to be? So Arbitration Happy Hour is um, a fairly uh, new initiative, even though uh, we're, we've done 16 episodes now where we talk about, we invite different guests from all around the world. It's on Clubhouse and we try to keep it very much relevant to uh, whatever is trending in, uh, in the arbitration field to keep it relevant. And uh, it's, it's, it takes place on uh, Thursday, 6 p.m. European time, uh, Central European time. And uh, it's, it's a great way, honestly, in uh, the virtual world to connect with uh, different people. So not just myself and Svenja and our guests, but it's an opportunity also for the audience to connect with different people who are virtually gathered in this room on Clubhouse. Yeah. And that last word is what I want to ask you about next. I mean, I know for, for the cool kids, the first movers, people may know what Clubhouse is. But what is Clubhouse? So Clubhouse is like your old style uh, walkie talkie app where you can mute and unmute yourself. And um, we don't say Roger that or like, you know, stuff like that. But uh, it's more or less uh, uh, it's an audio only uh, 
chat platform where you can host, you can pick a topic of uh, your choice and suddenly you can just have 300 people, you know, in your virtual room listening to what you have to share. So uh, the best way I think in, um, in uh, the digital world to kind of, you know, uh, put, discuss and put your uh, views out there for other people. Well, sure. And and how, if, if someone wants to attend the Arbitration Happy Hour, how do they find you guys? So each week, mostly like from Monday throughout the week, we always do social media posts with a little flyer and link to join um, the event. But uh, sure. Clubhouse is uh, an invite only app, something that I forgot to mention uh, earlier. Uh, so you need an invite to be on the app. The good news is that the app is now open for Android and iPhone before it was just iPhone and iPad iOS only. Uh, so now anyone can join it. And uh, we have International Arbitration Group Club on Clubhouse, a separate thing from Arbitration Happy Hour. And we have about 1,000 invites and we get loaded, you know, recharged with new invites all the time. So the whole, uh, we ask our uh, uh, potential, you know, new attendees to reach out to us and we'll give you the link to join, to create your profile. And then once you're on the app, you can apply, or you can uh, attend any event, not just Arbitration Happy Hour. So it's, it's not uh, just one link to one uh, event, but um, you can also host a room yourself. So uh, it's an opportunity uh, for everyone and I you know uh, recommend becoming uh, a clubhouse uh, member because that's where the cool kids are <laughs> <laughs> no it no and it does feel like uh it actually kind of feels like a happy hour I mean I you could sit there with like a well no one can see so you can have a beer whatever you want to drink um, we, we do always drink something non-alcoholic alcoholic depending on you know everybody's taste but it does feel like you're right uh, like a happy hour yeah um and you know the conversation is very organic um and even if it takes some prodding you know maybe the audience is feeling timid you know i've, I've seen that the conversations are usually really insightful uh, you should absolutely join if you haven't had a chance to yeah yeah absolutely uh, so well and i guess you know closing off that that point i mean what's the the next innovation or next point move i mean are you and Shvinya going to start doing tiktoks next or <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, working in marketing means it's kind of my job to test out, you know, the new tools and new platforms. And I'm not going to lie, I personally have too, too many of them, like Instagram and you name it. Like I do all of that for Yusmundi for my personal profile as well. And uh, Svenja also now has a, you know, uh, full time. Uh, she works at a law, biggest law firm. So, uh, no, no, we're not going to add more platforms, I think, on our uh, uh, there's too much on our plate and uh no i i don't see myself on tiktok but that also doesn't mean that i am calling it a bad platform if you know how how to use it use it because i've seen uh, lawyers on um i've seen i don't know if you know alex sue um uh, he's head yeah. of uh, yeah he's head of community now at ironclad another legal tech from the us and um i love his content on tiktok he's on tiktok but I like, yeah. you know, what he's doing. And uh, so it's all about uh, creating meaningful, funny content. And um, if you have time, if you have an idea, go ahead, make that TikTok profile. Yeah, and he's someone that, you know, I haven't had the pleasure to meet Alex yet, but I mean, you really get a very definitive sort of feeling for his posts, whether it's written or uh, he's, he's doing a parody of yeah, <laughs> a legal yeah. parody. 
you can feel uh, it because he, he does it like keeps it real with real time examples. So uh, I really like his content. Yeah, um, for those of you who haven't seen Alex's uh, feed yet, last week he did a really funny uh, legal version of Eminem's Eight Mile. So uh, you want to? <laughs> uh, it, it was pretty classic. So you have to go check that out. Um, anyway, anyway, I, I digress. Um, okay, well, Sneha, I guess I have one final question for you um, as it goes to uh, legal marketing, the world of being a lawyer, but also a marketeer. How have your skills in either arena? come in handy in your personal life do you now just i mean do you have to have someone that runs your social media for you or do you have to like uh use your lawyering skills um in person or your personal life as well or, or what's that sort of translation been like so working in marketing means that you gotta know your target audience right like you cannot do anything without knowing i mean if you're promoting an, a product you better know who you're promoting it to and in my case I used to live that life, so that helps me a lot in terms of, uh, you know, we call it uh, having a persona of uh, the, the persona of your ideal, most ideal buyer or most ideal clients, and you can have not one, but several of them. And uh, in my case, it's, mo it's in the legal community and having worked in that field is enormously helpful because I know what lawyers like, the way they talk, the things that they absolutely do not like or appreciate. So all of that, you know, I can kind of avoid those most obvious mistakes that maybe someone who doesn't know legal field, you know, or lawyers in general, you know, the, it's, it's a trial and error method, like marketing is all about experimenting. So, but I can avoid those most obvious mistakes. So uh, I think it's, um, uh, it's really helpful, uh, all the skills, you know, the drafting, the writing skills, the organizing, anything really, you know, being super clear in uh, your messaging and all of that, uh, thinking all the time that is this, I want this interpretation and is this line doing exactly that like can you have two meanings of the same line you know the whole typical lawyer uh, kind of thinking you know it's very helpful when um, uh, you work in marketing at a legal tech because that's how it's um, relevant so I very much appreciate my past experience yeah sure no and and this is a, a really great insight I think for hopefully for a lot of folks that are listening that um, Sometimes you get so wrapped up in, in the nuts and bolts of lawyering or doing your, your job at your firm or your company, but these sorts of principles of marketing, telling an effective story and getting that story across and resonating with an audience um, are the very core fundamentals of marketing. Um, so that, that's really cool that you've kind of been able to translate it into the way that you have. Yeah, fully agree. <laughs> okay, so let's set aside um, the, the work stuff for a moment. Let's, let's talk. Um, <laughs> A little bit more um, abstract. Um, well, and I guess this, this first one will be a little bit tangentially related to work, but not precisely. Um, whether it be as a lawyer or as a marketeer, who have been some of the role models, mentors, guiding forces, anything or anyone like that that you can think of? Um, I would like to give a shout out actually to my uh, a former boss at uh, the law firm where I was working. His name is Christoph Eck. Um, and uh, he's the one who, uh, you know, supported me in my journey. And um, I lived as a foreigner in France, so it's it's a tough life. Like I got 99 problems, and visa issues is all of them. So, <laughs> 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 so, yeah. 
So uh, that's how it is when you live live abroad, right? So uh, thanks to him that um, I had this, you know, the first uh, break at a big law firm. And um, uh, so um, he's been my mentor and everything like since the time I've been in uh, in in Paris. And um, uh, so him and then there's lots of other people, you know, when I was looking at making the move outside of uh, law and what, what should I do, uh, there's lots of lots of people and I will uh, not mention them all because I may miss out on one and then I will feel bad. But they know who, who they are and uh, I thank each one of them for supporting me uh, in my journey. Well, sure, no, and uh, well, I, we'll probably, maybe you have to use that same standard for when I ask for shout outs in a little bit too. But yeah, no, I, I get it, I get it. <laughs> okay, no, that, that that's very cool. Um, and it's good to have bosses and mentors that can sort of uh, be that sort of guiding uh, light or influence uh, while you're working with them, but also just uh, figuring out visa stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, gotta have a job, right, to get that visa. <laughs> Absolutely. Facts. Um, <laughs> how about, uh, okay, these are a few questions I like to ask that are a little bit, you know, truly just curiosity, personal interest types of questions. Um, sure. First up, what are you reading? What are you reading right now? What's on your bookshelf? I am not reading, I'm taking a break. I'm not reading, but instead I am being very strategic about re-watching Mad Men because it's in the ad world. And like I was mentioning, I have seen the series like previously when I was still practicing law. Uh, but uh, someone recently who works in marketing mentioned that watch it again and it will be a new experience because now you work in the field and you may learn a couple of new things, you know. So I will be watching uh, Mad Men uh, starting tonight. Rewatching. Sure, sure. No, Matt, that's a good one. I've only seen. I think I've seen like the first season or maybe the first two seasons. Um, but it's a good show. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, and and well, so that would be, you know, is that the only show you're watching right now, or do you have any other other shows that you might be watching on Netflix or some something similar? Um, I'm watching a French TV show called. Uh, Paris Police 1900. It's it's set it goes back in the history and um, I just became a French citizen. So now I feel more inclined to uh, discovering you know what happened in the past in the French uh, history and it's all about um, the historical time and uh, it's a crime show. I'm a big fan of crime show. So you know history plus crime best thing ever I think. So but I just started it. So I, I like the first two episodes. So we'll see about uh, the next episodes. Okay, very cool, very cool. Let's see, music. What? What? Who's some of your favorite artists? What do you like to jam out to? It's it's in my playlist. It's a hot mess. It looks like that I don't know what I want in life. Really, like it's completely opposite of how I am professionally. But um, I would say I very much uh, like rap music. But but there's a but. Um, Old Kanye is good. Jay-Z, you know, classic old Jay-Z is also always good. But in recent times, something that I frequently um, uh, listen to with my Yusmundi colleagues is um, it's a DJ set that comes out every month by a French, well, they're international, they're called Circle, but it's it's in French, so it's Cercle. Uh, it's it's well anyway like it means circle um, and um, they come up with these DJ sets with uh, not necessarily famous DJs and they always have those DJ sets in front of a very famous monument uh, sometimes in a forest and it's very peaceful to uh, just look at the video and enjoy 
you know, uh, uh, really good um, house electronic music. So something to jam to, you know, when you work. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's true. I like a lot of, um, when I work, lo-fi uh, hip-hop. Yeah. I listen to a lot of that. Very just chill. Um, and speaking of the French music scene, I'm still not over, um, you know, the legendary Daft Punk broke up earlier this year. Still, uh, I know, that, people are so yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah. You could see it. <laughs> I had to put my helmet away, man. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, so although you, you know, you're not working council life anymore, you know, we've talked about that, and you're able to have a little bit more predictability as to your work-life balance, um, I wonder how do you make the time or how do you find yourself balancing the your your physical and your mental health um, because we're still working a lot and especially as you know or i think i've heard you say in the past that like during the pandemic we're all working more um sure. how do you find time to take care of those couple of things uh, i personally i mean uh, fitness as it's not a new tip that i'm sharing but uh, focus on uh, taking out 30 minutes i personally like doing yoga my mom is a yoga therapist so growing up you know i always have uh, have seen her doing that and uh, um, i personally enjoy uh, doing yoga it can also be like a 30 minute walk you know doesn't have to be hard for cardio uh, but yeah i mean uh, fitness um, i would say very much very very important in life and then it's also about setting realistic goals and appreciating your achievements so far you know you kind of have to look back at uh, how far you've made it to be, you know, to keep it real at the same time and also uh, not always be disappointed in, uh, because, you know, I think um, uh, some of us can be uh, super, super ambitious and, you know, uh, you may not be happy where you are. So I think it's very important to uh, kind of make a list of, you know, small or big achievements, looking back, be appreciative of, uh, you know, how far you've come. And uh, if you want to set goals, I think to strike that uh, mental and physical balance, like, it's very important that uh, don't overwhelm yourself and set one goal and stick to it. Don't set too many goals, too many difficult goals. Uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm quoting my own mistakes that uh, I did in the past. And uh, uh, over the years, I uh, have seen, you know, uh, to calm down a bit and uh, not do too many things at the same time. Mm -hmm. No, that that's that's absolutely sage advice. Um, those things can add up, and you got to make sure to to protect your time for your own self and your own life and your own things. Yeah. Yeah, or call your mom. Like the moms are the best. That's what I do when I need some uh, <laughs> motivational, you know, uh, support. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's always good to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. Um, here's one that's a little different. Um, if you were approached by a current student or recent graduate or someone that's looking to break into the field, what advice would you give to prepare them? If you're speaking about law students, I would say that making partner in a big law firm is not the only definition of success in legal field. There's more uh, there's more career prospects and uh, job positions that you can do and uh, speaking you know, I'm, I'm speaking of uh, my my example that uh, there's more than that and don't be open, be more open to uh, different things. And having studied law doesn't mean that uh, you must become a lawyer and that's the only thing you can do. Sure, uh, that's fair enough. Um, 
I, I wonder what about someone that's listening now that may be thinking marketing is the road for them? I mean, what, what, what thoughts might you have for them? If they are working at a law firm, they can, they don't need to, you know, get a formal degree or something like that. And if you're still in uh, law school, I would say gather ideas and put them to use already. Don't wait uh, to get invited on podcasts, launch your own podcast, you know, so it's, it's all about execution and the, uh, earlier you start, the better you will get uh, quickly, you know, you will grasp all the skills that you need to work in uh, marketing. Okay, no, I think that's fair enough. Um, okay, and we're winding down here. Let's say, quick hypothetical, it's 5 p.m. on a Friday, and you are somehow completely free for the weekend. It's post-pandemic, do whatever you'd like. How would you spend that weekend in your ideal world? I hope my this coming Friday is like that. <laughs> but uh, uh, jokes apart, jokes apart, um, it would be, it's very basic. It, it sounds like it's not a lot of fun, but I love sitting on uh, the outside part of, uh, you know, the terrace of uh, the French cafes uh, and uh, just observe people and what people are up to it sounds like a very old woman you know just old people kind of a thing but uh, i very much uh, like that because it's super relaxing enjoying the sun with a cold beer you know it's it's uh it's the good life yeah that's true that, that sounds pretty nice hopefully knock on wood that, that that that's what we're all able to get back to um too soon enough um do you have uh one last question before we get to the the sort of wrapping up section um do you have any predictions or anything that you think uh, you could see happening over the next few years with related to the international dispute resolution field? Anything that you think might be instructive or anything that you want to share? It will be, I think, big on uh, the diversity, you know, since we have so many initiatives uh, campaign for greener arbitration. We also have real on which both of us uh, involved on that initiative. So I think uh, the younger generation is more and more aware of all these things. Uh, and for the execution part, you know, it takes a bit of time. So I think five years down the line, I would see uh, more young people being very much, you know, have strong opinions on uh, these issues. Not that they don't have now, but like more and more people. And um, I think um, more innovation and more, um, uh, more um, acceptance of innovation will also happen in uh, dispute resolution field. Okay, no, that's, that's a good, that's a fair one. Um, okay, well, Sneha, we're wrapping up here. Do you have any shout outs? Anyone else you want to give a tip of the cap to before we get out of here? <laughs> I do have shout outs, even though the list is not uh, exhaustive. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Jaremy, the CEO of Yusmundi, for giving me this opportunity to lead the marketing team at Yusmundi without, you know, any formal education in marketing and trusting me with my previous uh, experience. Um, I do want to give a shout out to my pandemic virtual for the for the moment virtual friend Svenja <laughs> with whom you know I have the show and uh, I also got a shout out last week so um, uh, Svenja uh, keep rocking and uh, we'll keep doing arbitration happy hours and the last shout out is to my mom who's not on social media but she will be listening to this uh, podcast and uh, uh, I love my mother uh, very much and for everything that she's done so special shout out to these 
Absolutely. And um, and I'll, I'll echo all of those shout outs. I don't know your mom, but shout out to her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and John Ridley and Shvenia, those are good shout outs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, well, Sneha, you know, unfortunately, we're running towards the end of our of our time together. It's been a great conversation. The time really just flew by. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm Sneha Ashtika, and there's no disputing it. You're listening to Tales of the Tribunal. Thank you, and we will see y'all next time. So, we have done a lot of these conversations, and I gotta say, that was one of the most informative and instructive conversations I've had on the show. High re-listen value. If you didn't listen with a notepad, you can go back right now and take some notes to elevate your online promotion game to the next level. It was great having Sneha in the digital studio, and we look forward to having her come by again sometime. So that's our first episode after the mid-season break. We have another six or seven episodes to bring you in season three. We are excited to do that. And that's it for us this week. Don't forget to leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. And of course, to tune into Disputes Digest tomorrow. Speaking of which, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a special feature at the end of that episode. So make sure you hang around through the end. Tales of the Tribunal is produced by Mo Better Solutions, and show music is done by Joshua and Jaden Campbell. Show interns are Matthew Cotherin and Ramatulahi Jallo. Feedback and comments for the show can be sent to talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. That's it for this week, and don't forget, there's no disputing it. You're listening to Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared on today or any episode of Tales of the Tribunal is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any person or party for their appearance on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearances should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.